Hey, what's up? Today we're talking about social media and PR with Nicole Williamson from Zilker Media. Check it out. In a world where content is king and your reputation is your brand, how do you build a brand that matters? Welcome to Brands on Brands, a home for those that think different and push their boundaries. This is where branding that matters lives. Now, here is your host, Brandon Berkmeyer. Hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Brands on Brands. I'm Brandon Berkmeyer, your personal branding coach. And today is another interview show. That's right. Today, we're diving into the topic of personal branding and LinkedIn together. Going to dive real deep into how do you actually get started building your personal brand, especially if you are a entrepreneur or an executive or someone whose reputation is part of their business, but also you're looking to be a thought leader. You're looking to be someone who is leading conversation in your industry. Today is the show for you if you want to dive into that. Our guest today is Nicole Williamson. She's the chief branding officer at Zilker Media. Zilker Media is one of Austin's fastest growing PR and branding firms. It's an award-winning boutique agency providing end-to-end brand building for some of the world's top executives, thought leaders, and companies. They're the agency of record for Chicken Soup for the Soul, the fastest growing regional bank in Texas, Keystone Bank, and many of the world's most well-known thought leaders. And Nicole really brings the knowledge today. We really get into tactics, strategies, approaches to not only just get you started if you're if you haven't gotten there yet, but really how to change your mindset, change your habits around how to use LinkedIn and really think like a creator on the platform to get you moving, to get you into that position of thought leadership. So lots to talk about today. Hope you guys are ex- as excited as I am. And uh with no further ado, let's get into the show. Brands on brands. All right, let's get going. I am excited to welcome our guest to the show today, Nicole Williamson. Hello, and thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, me too. Me too. And the reason that I'm looking forward to it personally is we get to dive into my favorite topic, which is personal branding. And I get to talk about it with someone who works with personal brands every day. Uh, a little differently than I do. You guys have an agency and you help people, you help executives, you help corporate brands, you help authors get out there and do this for themselves and and hire someone, a professional like you guys to walk them through it and take this on for them. Because I can tell you from doing it myself, it's it's a lot of work sometimes. (laughs) But let's set the stage a little bit for the people here. How do you guys, or how do you, let's stop saying you guys, let's talk to Nicole, right? How does Nicole define personal branding? Why does it matter? Yeah, I mean, your personal brand, you know, we used to say it's kind of like your online business card, but it's the representation of who you are, what your purpose is, what your mission is online that can drive business, drive community. Um, and drive relationships for for you if you are a solo show or for a bigger corporate brand if you are the face of that. Um, and that, you know, it matters so much more now than it ever has. I really feel like that. Um, people don't trust corporations anymore. That distrust has become such a huge 
um, thing over the last few years, but people will trust people if you build that often, um, authentic relationship with them, even online. And, and that's why we've really doubled down on personal branding. We feel like it's the key to success for so many businesses and um, putting that right person at the forefront of, of what their, their goals are. You know, on this show, we talk a lot about personal branding and I often been thinking about it as someone who is the face of their business there. It's usually their business. Mm -hmm. You probably work with a lot more people that also are in bigger organizations. And I think that that's got to be a little harder. I think that there's a little more red tape because you and the business are just kind of connected in a way that there's a lot of people counting on you. I'm curious what you've seen as differences between like thinking about an executive and their personal brand versus maybe an entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's the same time. Sometimes it's not, it just kind of depends. So, you know, if you've got the corporate brands, you may want to position three or four people out in front of the business. It could be your sales team who are going to be those key relationship drivers for your business in addition to one or two executives. Um, it could be a solo executive. Um, maybe it's a smaller corporation just getting started or smaller company. Um, but it really, it kind of goes back to whatever your goals are. If you're really trying to drive lead generation and get a bunch of relationships built. Your sales team makes sense to have personal brands. They need to be active. They need to have their own thought leadership. They need to be engaging their community. And it's often something that when we say that people are like, oh, they don't, they don't need to do that. And we're like, no, they really do. Like your, your team is the face of your company. You need to empower them to have their own personal branding to elevate that even more. Cause you never know who's in their own network and by them pushing out that type of content, and that message and that vision, it's just going to help the overall goal and get there a lot faster. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned they need to have their own thought leadership. And I think that is a super interesting concept that's hard for people to wrap themselves around. Because if I have five people in an organization, then to me, it's like, well, what is their personal brand if they're all the same business? But this idea of thought leadership is interesting. How do you help people find what their thought leadership content is? Yeah. You know, we spend a lot of time with people sitting down, interviewing them, asking them about their careers, how they get started, what their passion is, what they love to talk about, what they hate to talk about. And you really sitting down even just for an hour and talking through that with someone and letting them tell you stories about their career, the relationships they've had, even people who have made an impact on their life. You learn really quick what they can talk about and what their heart is and what their expertise is. You don't want someone to come out and talk about things that they hate or they don't have that expertise on, even if they're in a part of a company. You know, everyone in a company has a role and their kind of piece of that puzzle that they should be able to talk about. You don't need your, you know, your uh, maybe corporate marketing person talking about biz dev all the time. Like there's just probably someone else on that side. So it's really understanding how to position that individual based off of, you know, what their passion is and how it plays into the bigger picture. And a lot of that is just kind of spending time with someone and going through that process of learning um, and kind of crafting that message based off of their response. Yeah, I, I actually really like that because I often say that you, to get like really clear on your positioning, you have to start with 
just making the content. I like the idea of just getting the voices out of your head and getting the ideas out of your head and out there. Because once you start to create and say the things that you've been thinking, you start to recognize a pattern. But with you guys, you actually help them do that. You can pull that out of them. You can ask them the questions that gets those uh, those juices flowing, that gets those yeah. ideas out of them for them. That I think is really interesting. You can even regurgitate it back to someone and it's like they hear it for the first time, even though they just said it. And that's kind of like my favorite moment in that initial branding process, that aha of like, wow, I said that. I'm like, yeah, you said that. Like, that's that's what you're passionate about. That's what we need to really capitalize on as we really push your thought leadership out um, as we look to build a community around you online. Yeah, I think listening back to the things that you say, it is important, but also having an outsider's perspective to underline and that like, hey, these kind of stood out as some of the things that were different and unique and that we could right. dive deeper on. And you're like, can we pull this concept out and go down that rabbit hole a little bit? And I want to hear right. more, more texture, more context. And yeah, having someone else to do that with you, I think is huge because you might just miss it. You might've said right. something brilliant and it's just lost in the ether. Yeah. Yeah. Also recording meetings is a huge thing because then you can go back and listen. So just always a good tool to have. Right. And having someone who's analytical, having a brand strategist or someone who's there to say, you know what, we're going to look back at this. We're going to take notes and then identify, okay, this one I want to dive deeper on. I want to ask more questions. Having someone else whose job it is to look at this stuff and identify patterns, uh, I think is huge. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to kind of take a turn here and ask a little bit about what you think keeps people from starting because for me like building a reputation i don't think is a new concept for anyone out there but i think there's a, still a lot of fear a lot of people that haven't it either hasn't dawned on them or they're just like not yet yeah yeah i would say fear is one of them you know fear of also just coming across as like with an ego we get that a lot it's like well you know, I don't, I'm not an egotistical person. People don't care what I have to say. And I'm like, they do care. And you have such a important viewpoint from your side of the business that it's not egotistical. It's really positioning your business and your team to be successful. Um, that in time, you know, that's the question I get probably the first when we start working with someone is, well, how many hours do I have to spend on this a week? And you know, I don't have 20 hours to put into this every week. I'm, you know, I'm running a business and we really view it as how do we use highest and best use of time with, with someone, what makes sense for them to do, you know, it's the right channels, not all the channels. It's the right content with the right tone of voice, not posting 30 times a week. So we're focused in more of, creating really great quality with someone and getting the most out of the time we have and the time they have versus, you know, the constant churn that social can be. And I think that's what people are very fearful of and used to. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Like, how do we get, make the best use of our time of, you know, someone else's time or for the person that's guiding them on this process? What is your, your approach to doing that? If you know that they might only have, you know, a limited amount of time, maybe more at the beginning for a strategy session or something, but like, recurring, you want this to be something that happens all the time. How do you approach that? Yeah. Well, hiring someone to help is always great, but if you don't have the resources to do that, you know, which is, is definitely a thing for a lot of people, um, especially right now, I think one of the big things that you can do is focus in on like relationship building and who are the right targets 
that you're trying to drive for your business. You know, lead generation is hard. It's sometimes a cold process. And, you know, if you're just sending a cold lead email, the conversion on that's not going to be very high. But if you're trying to get in these relationships and have meaningful connections with people, inviting them on to maybe an interview series or at a grander scale podcast like we're doing right now, you know, that creates an opportunity where you're positioning someone else to talk about themselves, bringing them onto your platform. That makes that whole interaction more organic, more authentic. And it just creates that opportunity to talk about their business with them in a way that's going to give them a tool to promote it. And the, that works so much faster than a cold email, you know, and not everybody has time to do dinners and coffees and happy hours and all these things all the time. So how do you use it as a tool where you get to market, you get to have something for your platforms and give someone else the opportunity to have that too. Um, the other thing I would say is you don't need to be on every social media channel. I think that's a common misconception is, well, I can't do this because I, I don't want to be on 10 channels and I hate Twitter and whatever it may be. You have to pick the right ones for you. And we always focus in on where your target audience is at. So if you're a C-suite and you're trying to connect with other executives or, you, or you know maybe you're um, a consultant or a coach and you coach other executives, like LinkedIn is going to be your bread and butter. You know, Maybe you work at a bank. LinkedIn is where most of these people are going to be in these high you know, target uh, entrepreneurs and individuals. Some of these other platforms probably aren't going to make sense. Facebook's probably not going to make sense for those. So it's prioritizing which platforms that you should really spend the time on and using relationship building content as well to bring those two together. Yeah. So does that help? So know, does knowing that you're talking to, obviously, we're talking about executives here in this particular group of people and that LinkedIn for them is going to obviously be a more of a go-to channel for them. Yeah. How does that change how you create content? Because you know that this is the platform you're starting on. Where do you, what's your your tactics when you start approaching LinkedIn from a from the content creation standpoint first? Yeah. A couple of things. I, I love LinkedIn because I feel like it's the true personal thought, leadership, branding, all of those things. That is the true platform for it right now where we're seeing so much success um, because you can still write a meaningful post that's longer and that's just text and it still do well. Um, video content works great on LinkedIn. That is the norm across every platform. You know, you can do 10 minute videos on LinkedIn, but short videos work great. Um, the the big change that we saw over the last year are LinkedIn newsletters. And that tool has been so wonderful. Um, you can use it for relationship building. You know, if you want to use that as the interview series, um, make it an email style or incorporate video on top of it. But people can subscribe to that and they'll get notifications, um, push notifications to their phone and an email um, once you have an, you know, your next LinkedIn newsletter go live. That's a very high value piece of content when it gets sent out that many ways um, and you really create these wonderful communities. So LinkedIn, that's kind of the way we love to look at it. Start with the LinkedIn newsletter. You do have to have, I believe, 2000 followers to be able to create that. But on LinkedIn, that's really not that high of a number. Um, you can build up through connections. And then you can roll and, you know, we love that. It's just been such a fun driver where people really get to share who they are on this, on this uh, platform. 
Yeah. And I think that that's a new way to think about it. I think when you say, let's create an interview series, people start to think, well, which platform? Is it YouTube? Is it a podcast? Is it a blog? And you're saying, how about it just, you film it and you record it in whatever format. And then you start by just putting it onto LinkedIn and see how that goes. Yeah, That to me is less intimidating. Yeah. And if you're scared of video and it's like, oh my gosh, like that is just not my thing. I don't want to talk to a camera. I don't want to be in front of a camera. And it is, that is, that is not an easy thing to do. I don't, I, you know, I want to recognize that for sure. Start with an email where you're just getting some questions. You shoot it off to someone, they fill it out, you send it back, package it, it's done. It's not a time intensive thing, but it starts to kind of build that cadence for you of that going out. And then you're kind of like, well, what, what's next? Like after it starts going and it works, then you can start to maybe try video and see how that, that works on top of it. So, yeah, you know, I think it's just kind of doing it and giving it a shot and making sure you're remembering the big goals at it because, you know, endless followers are not what we're targeting. It's relationships and building community. And at the end of the day to drive your business, that's, that's the focus. Yeah. I like that. And, and if you save the materials, at some point in the future, you could re-release them on these other channels if you ever want to do that. Absolutely. And you can clip them when repurpose them. So maybe it's you're pulling 30 second audio clip and pushing it out or a 30 second video clip. You know, most people I would say prioritize probably two platforms. So maybe LinkedIn and Instagram, or, you know, they have a high um, female audience that they're targeting or Facebook, because that's where their business is at heavily still and they're doing an ad push too. So, you know, it just kind of depends, but that can all be used on any platform. YouTube, we love. If you're doing video, just put it on YouTube. It's pretty simple. You don't have to go after being YouTube famous. And it's, I promise it's not the goal, but it does help with your SEO, your, your search engine optimization. It's going to help push your name and that ownership. So if you're creating video, just go ahead and take that extra step of uploading it to a YouTube channel. Yeah, I like that. And I want to get into search engine optimization since you said that word. But before that, you also talked about repurposing. And I'd like to kind of hear, well, before I put words in your mouth, what do you think are some strong ways to approach or to think about repurposing content? You know, we love that term evergreen. So if you create something that is long lasting and still is relevant, find ways to reuse it um, and remarket it. You know, you don't want something that you spent a lot of time and creative energy on to die after one post. You want to push it out as many times as you can, you know, maybe not do it all in the same week or back to back weeks, but strategically find ways to kind of trickle it out over time. Um, especially if you have, you know, like a 30 minute interview, that's a lot of content. It may not feel like that, but it is. There's so many small clips and things you can pull from it that you can continue to really position. We love that we're big on working smarter, smarter, not harder over that with time, you know, nobody has time to sit down and create endless, endless amounts of content. Um, when you have a full-time job and you're an executive and you're running businesses, you don't have time to do that. So think of ways to really get the most out of it, sending it out in an email, you know, using it and breaking it up. That's just such a really big, important piece to that repurposing side. We do it. We do it all the time. Like it, It's such a beneficial way to think through content. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm kind of curious how you, because I want to hear your opinions on, on search engines. Yeah. For personal branding, what 
are your opinions about search engines? You know, we like to say you want to own page one of Google. So if you haven't Googled yourself, like, please, anyone listening, do that. I know it feels weird, but it's always good to know what populates with your name. You'd be surprised. So take the time, type your name into Google. If you got a maiden name versus a married name, do both, do it all. Just check it out and see what you find. When you do these things, LinkedIn is actually really great for SEO. Um, when you start building a consistent platform and you're posting every once in a while and you're using YouTube, it's going to take your name to having that ownership. Those pages are going to populate on that page one. And it's so important to have. If people are trying to work with you, they're Googling you. Like that's just a hundred percent what's happening. So you want that best representation of who you are on those page one. I, and you kind of have to follow like your normal pattern. When you Google something, you're looking at the first couple of results. You may go down to the page one. Rarely are you clicking to second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth pages. So taking the time to do these things, having your name attached to a YouTube channel, a LinkedIn, a blog on your company's website, that's really important um, to have that name, that name ownership. Yeah. So we start to take this more seriously. We start updating our our stuff on LinkedIn. Are there things that are best practices for the actual build of our profile for what they're going to end up seeing, I imagine, when they Google themselves? Yeah. So for LinkedIn specifically, you need a LinkedIn header, like that big kind of thin picture at the top. I always see that that's left blank. That is prime real estate. You know, it's the first thing people see even before your headshot half the time. So what can you put in that space that's going to be the best representation of you? If you're an author, your books should be in that and your website. If you've won awards, they should be there. That's a big thing to showcase. Um, if you've been featured in major press, add the logos there with that. If you've done speaking, if you've been in on, front, on a stage in front of hundreds or thousands of people, use a speaking photo. All of those things build credibility and trust instantly. And that's what we're really focused on is how do we build trust with this online community fast? Because that we have such a short window to do that. Um, High-res headshots, make sure it's just not blurry. Make sure you're not cropping half your face out. Like you want it to look great. Uh, and that headline on LinkedIn matters. You know, I know sometimes people like to put funny things maybe save that for like Instagram, like use this. This is a really, it is such a professional place. Just make sure that it showcases your, your title, your expertise. If you have won an award, like award-winning X, that should be there. You just want that to be a huge call out. And I know it takes a little time, but filling out the profile matters, work history, education, awards, volunteering, that all should be on the page too. Yeah, no, Absolutely. Uh, you know, what's funny is it used to be that, like you could set, and it might still be this way, you could set your profile to, you know, a, like, like there's privacy settings where you'd say, mm -hmm. I'm just going to show my profile to just people that I know, like in my network, my connections. And if you had left it like that, then you just have that like egghead picture yeah. right as your profile picture for the people that are trying to find you and hire you or, or whatever right. it might be, or, you know, sell something to you or buy something from you. And uh, that might still be a problem for a lot of people that they haven't even changed their profile settings from private to public. 
it is a problem. Like I've, I see it time and time again. And I know like we're more inclined on social to lock things down. Like maybe lock your Facebook down. Like that's the thing to lock down. Don't lock your LinkedIn down when it's a big part of your professional life. You got to have it. It's got to be public. You don't, you can change maybe a connect button to a follow button. So you're not getting bombarded with crazy amounts of connections with people or salespeople you don't know. That's okay. Do that. Um, the other thing I miss that's probably the most important is your URL on LinkedIn. You can change. So when you sign up for it, you were given a URL. It's probably got your name and then like a bunch of the characters behind it, numbers and letters. You can take all that out. And if no one has that URL already, you can leave it as it is. You can put your name in there. You can put your title into it. And if you share, a, if you have a very common name, like John Smith or something to that extent, something we always love to tell people is maybe try a middle initial or find ways to position yourself so you're not competing in such a, a, a very owned space when it comes to Google and all these channels. So the URL thing is big. That's such a big key thing there that's going to help everyone. And it's, it's, I think it's become normalized. It's okay to be the Brandon Berkmeyer or I am Brandon Berkmeyer or Brandon A. Berkmeyer because people realize that you might not be the only person with that name. So you've got to, it's, I think it looks a little bit better than, and it's easier to remember than like Brandon Berkmeyer 798254. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, you don't want that, especially because a lot of people put these on business cards and I'm like, oh man. You d- I, I'm so sad someone didn't know or to tell you that you can take that out. Um, but yeah, you know, middle names, middle initials. We've had people swap their their first and their middle name. We've had people change their name. You know, you don't have to always go that drastic, but mm-hmm. whatever, and not just for a LinkedIn, but just for a name ownership on Google in general. It's always a good thing to look at. Yeah. So, okay. So we've got people who are on board. They're like, okay, I'm going to start maybe thinking of myself as more of a content creator on this platform, putting something out there, being more of a thought leader. What role does engagement play for someone looking to be a thought leader on LinkedIn? It's huge because the more a post is engaged with, the further it's going to travel. So, you know, I don't know how active everyone is on LinkedIn, but as you go through it and you're just taking time looking through your feed, you're going to see things like, so-and-so liked this, so-and-so commented on this. You know the person who took the action, but you probably don't know the post or the person who posted the thing that they engaged with. So that engagement piece is so critical to success because it just takes that and pushes it so much faster. So taking that time to engage back, of uh, thanks for commenting, I would love your thoughts on X, real gen- you know, genuine engagement, is so important. And so I love to tell people, you know, try and log in once a day, five, 10 minutes, if you can, you can't do every day, do every other day. Your phone is a great tool to do that. Maybe you're in transit or something like that. Just take a second and go through it. Like comments if that's all you can do, but try and take that and build a routine because it is that kind of next level piece that will, that will really move it faster. What about you engaging with other people's content as like, you're the thought leader, but what is your approach as a thought leader to engaging with other people's content? Yeah, that is really important too. We, you know, we look at it two ways. One, and act how you would like to be on the platform. You know, I think there gets that kind of like, I don't know what to say or do. I'm like, well, if you agree or like it, just like it or comment on it. Or if you have thoughts and opinions, 
it's supposed to be a community space. You know, it's not supposed to be something where you kind of drop a nugget of wisdom and see ya. You know, you want it to be a place where everyone's communicating together. So definitely engage with people you don't know and your connections as well. You know, one thing we love to do is creating a target list of maybe 20 relationships that we would love to have online. Maybe they, we don't know them. Maybe we've met them once. And there are people like, oh my gosh, we'd love to have them on an interview series. So we have that target list and maybe we can just kind of go through it and start to engage with them and start to kind of see what they like to post about and build that organic relationship over time. And then once you have that, maybe they comment back, maybe they post or share something that you posted. You then have that in to ask them to be on your interview series, and then maybe they become a client. And I know that feels like a long game, but again, that turns into such a warmer lead and opportunity and a connection and a relationship versus a quick touch point that may not lead to the value that they're looking for. Yeah, I can see that. What are some of the common mistakes you see people making on LinkedIn? So I'm sure you you see a lot of them. You know, I, I probably actually see less on LinkedIn than I do others, um, just because it is such a professional platform. I think people are scared to post things personal and about their family or travel or whatever it may be. It's okay to do that. You know, you want to be a human, humanize your content a little bit. The personal stuff, works sometimes better than anything else we do time and time again. You want to post your mom for Mother's Day? Please do that. It's okay. You know, I think we get, people get really caught up. It's like, well, it's LinkedIn. It's like super tight and professional. And I was like, it is that, but there's a playfulness to it. And again, you want to have that humanizing approach. What's a good example of a humanized post of a more personal post that you think is a good idea on LinkedIn? Yeah. You know, I know people don't love to share their children and that's obviously okay. So, you know, please take that. And if you don't want to do that, don't do that. I, Mother's Day is a huge one. I see that all the time work, posting a picture with their mom or a story about how, you know, their mom set them up for success, even in their career or a mentorship relationship where they grabbed coffee for the first time in 10 years and they're sharing stories. And, you know, you remember when they just got started and you met them for the first time. Things like that, that storytelling piece, but again, giving people an inside look at who you are in your life, not just, I have something to sell kind of a thing. It just, again, builds a community that's going to be long lasting. I love the humanizing content. I, you know, if you go on vacation, then you want to do a funny post, it's like out of office, do it. Like, I love that stuff. So whatever makes sense to who you are as a person, if if you have a humorous side, like people should see that. Um, if you're a big family person and you've got this huge family and you're doing things with them all the time, or maybe you coach your child's soccer team, you know, you should do that. You can post that that's your weekend gig, but whatever it is, you know, giving people that inside look is so important. I think the other thing that people make the mistake on is not using hashtags on LinkedIn. It was such a thing for a while that I was like, oh, this will never take off. And it did. Um, it actually works. You know, I was probably a big non-believer that that was actually going to work, but it did. Um, I think it does it better than any other platform at this point. It's one of the few that it's kind of hanging on with. Um, four to five is perfect. You don't need like 30, like Instagram has sometimes. And just finding the right ones, wherever your audience is at. You can click on them, you can follow them, you can go through it and see what other people are talking about on leadership or coaching or consulting and 
engage with those people. Again, it's all about like building that kind of community side. Yeah, I like that because then it also shares this with you. It says, you know, this post is trending in uh, in this hashtag and it gives you recommendations of things you should go check out. And if you're not using them, you're missing that. Right. Uh, What do you think about getting tagged or tagging people uh, on LinkedIn in posts? Super important because it's going to, again, it's, it's almost like a piece of the engagement puzzle. You know, it helps drive things forward and people kind of building that relationship. You're giving them an opportunity to go directly to that person too. Or if you are featured in an article, you know, we have awesome business journal here in Austin. And, you know, if you're featured in, in ABJ and you tag ABJ, that's credentialing and trust building. So tagging when you can now LinkedIn has a lot of settings where people will turn this off and you can't tag them in anything. So that's okay too. But the more you tag, if you are mentioning a journalist, this is another one. If you're like sharing an article that you read that you loved, tag the journalist in addition to the outside source. That's so important. And we're seeing like a mass exodus from journalists only prioritizing Twitter to being on LinkedIn so heavily, they're engaging back. We're seeing it all the time. Like, hey, thanks for sharing this. I really appreciate it. Maybe you'll be featured in their article one day because you took that step. So um, we tagging is really important. It's definitely not the step to skip. Yeah, it goes back to relationship building. I, I, One of my friends just posted like his year-end recap and he thanked like, here's a couple experiences I really liked with these people. I'm happy I got to meet these new people and thanks to these people for teaching me X, Y, Z. And obviously that is just more and more eyeballs that are going to see that because the people that got tagged want to respond. And when they respond, his post is showing up on their feed and it right. becomes this virtuous cycle. It just becomes like a two-minute networking session because everybody's all of those people are probably in the comments meeting each other for the first time. Yeah. And it's not it's not something we're used to, but I think it's something that is, I think, becoming more regular and normalized that uh we should all be taking advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So if someone's kind of just getting started with, you know, LinkedIn and is saying, okay, I know I got to be doing more. Cause I think that's what we hear a lot. I know I've got to be doing more. Yeah. What are some, some steps? One, two, three, what's the path for them to get better at this? I think building some consistency. So you don't want to stop and then drop off. You want to know your plan. Um, and I, again, I don't believe in the day-to-day churn. So Maybe if you have an old blog post or you like to write blogs and you have that, create a couple posts from it that can go out over the next few weeks. That to me, or if you have an old video that you can chop up, have that planned out, try and look at it from a month perspective versus a day-to-day perspective. You're going to give up if it's, you know, day-to-day. You're going to be like, oh, I just don't have time to do this today. I just, something is always going to be more important. But if you kind of build out a bigger plan, and you know what the goals are, and you know what your business goals are this year, and you want to tie this back to it. So we've got, you know, we need to be communicating X. That should play into your content strategy. You know, get into a rhythm, get into a cadence, and start to see that go. Um, LinkedIn has a really great feature called um, their like trending news on the right side of the page. Learn to start kind of monitoring that. Um, you'd be surprised how long the list is. You can click to expand it and find opportunities to what we like to say is newsjacking, where you can comment on these different articles or 
trending news topics where you can share your thought leadership and expertise. LinkedIn has an in-house editorial team that are humans, not robots, which is so refreshing. And they actually spend their day combing through LinkedIn, finding different people who share their content through those trending topics. And it's they do it all the time. So the more you can engage with that, finding ways, not everything's going to be relevant to you. But those are some small steps just to kind of get going. And then, you know, as you go bigger and you're like, hey, I, this relationship building is so important to my business goals this year. I'm going to build a list of 15 people I think would I would love to have that next kind of level of relationship with. Start to kind of see how you can enter, uh, bring them into an interview series and what that can look like. Is it video? Is it audio? Is it written? And how you can start to push that out. Um, I think that will be a key driver for a lot of people. Yeah, thank you. I think a lot of people will find that useful. Absolutely. I'm going to take a little step back and take a macro view here as we get okay. towards the kind of the back end of the interview, uh, really back into the personal branding conversation. I'm curious because you've get, gotten to see a lot, I think, you know, in the, your time working in this space. What do you see as the game changer for people when building a reputation online or offline? Just in the sense of like them keeping it going or getting started kind of yeah, like someone's like, I know I need to build a reputation. I need to take this thought leadership thing seriously. And they get started. What have you seen like as the tipping point for when this stuff actually starts to work? Yeah, you know, it it can take time. Like I, I've tried to really tell people that, you know, you're not going to see instant growth overnight. You may not see results for the first three to six months, it's kind of the timetable we say six months is probably more of that sweet spot. Um, Because consistency is so critical to seeing that build out. Now, we don't ever focus in with our thought leaders on growing insane amount of followers. It, It doesn't, it just is a vanity metric. And it's a nice to have when you have it. But if you have 10,000 followers, and you're getting 10 likes on a post, and it's not driving any business growth goals for you, it doesn't matter. So that's something I always like to push back. And when we talk through people is, okay, well, 10,000 followers is a cool number to have. How many of your followers right now are engaging and how many of those have converted to business opportunities in the last two years? And you can't, if you can't tie it back, then it, it's not the right community. So, you know, I think once you start to see people sharing and, you know, you kind of see that little momentum going and people commenting like, wow, this is really helpful. Once you get that kind of first like lead opportunity, like, Hey, I saw this out here. I saw your interview with X. I'd love to learn more. Or you featured someone on your interview series and they become a client. And that was the goal. Those are the targets that we really measure success by Uh, because engagement is wonderful. Likes and comments and shares, they're great to have. That tells us that people are liking the content. So let's keep kind of doing that. But we also really want to see what results are being driven. And that means business goals and growth goals, which I'm, you know, for C-suites and executives, that's all that matters. So how do we look at it and position it that way? So tying everything you do on social back to the business and how it's driving results over time. That's that's really that tipping point where people are like, okay, yeah, this is worth it. Yeah, I love that. I hope people actually listen and rewind if you have to, because that 
approach, I think figuring out like there's a mindset you have to figure out. There is some habits you'll need to adopt and you're going to have to make some tweaks. You're going to have to analyze what the results are and make some tweaks along the way. I think that's huge. It's not the silver bullet. It's not something that's going to be, you know, a viral sensation overnight. That's not something you can control. Uh, I think that those are great lessons. So I appreciate that. Yeah. I wish there was the magic potion of do X, Y, and Z and you'll get viral and all those things. You know, I I personally am not a huge fan of the word viral because I think it's it's become a, a thing that's not even what it is anymore. You know, it's to us, it's how, what's the bigger goals ahead and how do we always keep our strategy in mind with that? You know, we'll go back and forth with people all the time with different ideas and it's, that's a great idea that you have. But is it going to go back to the three goals you told us at the start of this? Or if those goals have shifted, that's okay. So I think keeping that in mind is just so important to seeing the success of everything that you do. No, I agree. Um, So kind of to wrap us up here, I am curious in the personal branding space, what are you most excited about right now? Yeah, you know, the thing I really am excited about going into this year is that I see more people excited to do personal branding than ever before. It's like people get it and want to do it and are excited to put some time into it. You know, it used to be like, well, corporate marketing is everything. The corporate marketing, the corporate brand, all of that. And we've seen that shift finally kind of happen. We've been kind of preaching this for a while about how important it is. And then with kind of that trust we've talked about where you know, consumers have lost trust in brands and organizations. And that reputation management is so hard. I'm very excited about the opportunity just to position thought leaders and see these thought leaders get really excited about their own branding and how it's going to drive business results for them. You know, having those conversations is more free, has been more frequent. And we're seeing it more and more where people are like, yeah, I definitely have to do this. Like, this is not a Maybe one day thing, it's like, no, if we're going to hit our goals, if we're going to hit these targets that we've aligned for us, if we're going to build the right relationships, I have to put the time into this. This is not a nice to have anymore. This is a has, like we have to do it for our business. And marketing sometimes gets put into that nice to have bucket. It's really not that anymore. You know, it ha- it's it's the thing driving a lot of results for individuals. So it's a must have. And that's what I'm most excited about because it's positioned it uh, that way going into this year. Yeah, it's exciting. I agree. I agree. And if anyone, as I mentioned at the intro of the show, uh, if you guys are looking to get a hold of Nicole and find out more about their team at Zilker Media, that's at zilkermedia.com. The links are in the show notes. And uh, I'll ask you, Nicole, any other final thoughts before we wrap up today? No, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, don't be scared to try it and get on LinkedIn or whatever your platform is that you know is your bread and butter and just kind of start posting and seeing or even just watching to see what other people do as you build that comfortability. You know, taking that first step is challenging, um, but it's so worth it in the long run. And, you know, I would love to talk to anyone who wants to learn more. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you, Nicole, for your time today. I uh, think there's a lot of lessons that people are going to pick up from today. And hopefully, if nothing else, a little bit of inspiration. And uh, appreciate you being here and appreciate you guys listening. And as always, we will catch you next time. 
You've just taken your marketing knowledge to another level with this episode of Brands on Brands. But we have plenty more ways to help you build a brand that matters. Head over to BrandsOnBrands.com for resources, as well as access to our blogs, videos, and exclusive coaching sessions with your host. Be sure to visit BrandsOnBrands.com.